impossible until it isn't impossible, until we see it. And so in John 20, 21, it says again, Jesus said, peace be with you as the father has sent me. I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The same peace that Jesus brought into the bar or in front of the Pharisees when he's going to be whipped and eventually crucified is the same peace you have with you. Think about that. Our friend Jesus is going to be whipped. He's, he's actually going to be... Um, uh, Somebody's going to turn traitor. Judas is going to turn traitor on him. Somebody he's been with for three and a half years, a really good friend. Yet we have a hard time being at Costco, right, Mike? We're like, oh my gosh. Oh, I'm like, the thing is, is that we have this friend that's already been this way. We have the exact same peace out of heaven, all right? We have the exact same sender and we have the exact same assignment as Jesus himself had. There's not a difference. I want you to hear that. There's not a difference. Now, we look at different, we do something different, we do our piece of that, Jesus in and through us, but it, it's the same cinder, it's the same assignment, and it's not a burden, it's a joy. It's a joy to get your hands dirty and build something and clean something up. Think about the potter or a painter. They get all dirty, right? But they're creating something beautiful in the process of all the things they're going to mess up and all the art they're going to redo. And as they do the pottery, then they mash it all down. They have to add more water. They have to keep. But as Christians, a lot of times, we don't even like to get dirty. We don't need. We just want to know it's all going to work out in advance. We're called to get in in the down and dirty. And one of the things we've forgotten is this 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 little part here in verse twenty three. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. Now Jesus isn't saying that hey, you're forgiving them in your name. What we're, what he's saying is you're forgiving them in my name. Yet we still deal with a lot of unforgiveness for people, and we're binding them to us. And we're binding our souls in a bad way to them. I don't know that they know that or that that matters to them, but it's not good for us. We're supposed to be forgivers just like Jesus forgave. So we can actually forgive people in advance that hurt us because we know that God's going to ask us to forgive them anyways. That doesn't mean you have to be around them ever again, by the way. But you can forgive them. You release them. And we, we get mashed up on some of these things. Well, he doesn't, we don't need demons now. It doesn't mean demons now. That was for then. And it doesn't mean forgiveness in that way. But yes, it does. It's to be super simple and foolish to believe that these supernatural things are there, that they can happen. And then Luke. Do, do, let's see here. I'm a. I don't know how. Oh, there we go. I can use my finger on an iPad. Who knew that? Everybody but me. So it says Luke 10, 9. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near you. Heal the sick that are there. We need to start praying for people when they say, I don't feel good on the phone. Say, I'm going to pray for you right now. Now, there's sometimes it's not appropriate, but most of us are just, I'll pray for you. We need to be thinking, having that on our radar, to be healing and praying for the sick. Not talking about doctrine, about why God, God doesn't heal or who he doesn't heal or anything like that. But this idea that we're to be laying hands on people and praying for them to be healed in Jesus' name. And then John fourteen twelve through 14. Verily I say to you, very, verily, very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Doesn't that bother anybody? 
that Jesus is saying, I did all of these things. I'm world famous. We're still talking about me 2,000 years ago, but you guys now, 2,000 years later, 2,019 years later, approximately, you're going to do the same things. You're going to heal people, raise people from the dead, cast out demons, and there's going to be supernatural signs and wonders. That's impossible until it's not. Until it's not. So we want to pursue consistently into these impossible things. And then it says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And yes, there are caveats or there are addendums to that everything. It's like a guy was telling me that he wanted God to do something to this person. And it was a good thing, like have their attitude change. I was like, well, you know what? God's been offering that person an attitude change for like 30 years. That person has rejected the Lord's counsel every time. So we don't get to pray. It's not like I hope they change. It's like what you want to see in your life, what you want to see manifest. And it does come down to we should be asking. I don't want to use the word should. We were created to lay hands on people and say, be healed in Jesus' name. We were created for that. If we're not doing that, we're not doing what we're created for. It's like having a you know a $30,000 bass boat with a big, nice double engine in the back. You know, you might be able to ski with it. You might be able to fish with it. And you keep it in your garage. You keep it shiny. You talk about it. You keep insurance on it. You're going to use it someday, but you never use it. And people quit asking you what it's about, asking you if you can go out on it. We, we have that same problem in Christianity a lot of times. Listen to what it says. Heal the sick. Preach the kingdom, which will then manifest itself when you preach it. When we're talking doctrine, this is what we're really looking to happen. We're really looking for something to manifest while I'm talking about Jesus. But what we really do, we argue. So I get my point across. When we talk about doctrine or theology, we're really saying, where does Holy Spirit want to show up right now and teach and heal and blow our minds and make this meeting super crazy, even if it's at McDonald's? Where do we have that? So that's what we want. That's the impossible things to do works greater than Jesus and ask for anything. So Jesus says, I'm going to do great things when you speak, when you touch, and when you act. But we don't sit out here and go, God, heal Debbie. Well, God doesn't heal. He didn't heal Debbie. We speak, we touch, we act. We pray for words. With your knee, with Cresha's cyst, she has a five-inch cyst that we want to pray that it just goes all the way gone out of there. Of course, this surgery isn't super bad or blah, blah, but who cares? Let's pray for the fullness of the impossible things. So here's... Did you find something more exciting on YouTube? <laughs> so last week we shared a couple things that were impossible. But think, here's an impossible thing. Up until it wasn't possible... People flying in a plane regularly. Like we have flown from here to Paris in a really nice air-conditioned seat with a TV, with food service, with coffee, with beer and wine, with the whole things you put on your face, with a bathroom. Who would have thought? And then now we're mad if it takes, you know, one extra hour to fly. It was, flight was impossible. It was really almost impossible to think about how much flight would be transformed when we finally did the impossible. What's your impossible, what's your impossible flight thing in your life? What's, what's super, been super impossible for you that you want to believe for next year that's possible? 
You have to think that. You, you don't say, I'm gonna, God's going to give it to me. Because he's probably asking you to have the faith to say, I want this. The courage, I want this. I want to move towards this. And last week we talked about it's not actually gaining the impossible thing. It's actually what begins to happen in you when you, get them, when, when you are moving towards the impossible thing. Remember, remember making a phone call when you were a kid? You know that. Stevie and Mike don't be at the rotary phones. But think about Mayberry RFD before that, the Andy Griffith show. You'd get on and there would always be a person, your nosy neighbor and the operator, and they'd have to take that and plug stuff in. And it was really, really hard to make a phone call. Think about the Pony Express was like, uh, like the 1860s. It wasn't very long. It was only like not even two-year period. And it, it, they went 1,800 miles in 10 days from where the railroad stopped in Kansas City all the way to Sacramento. And they almost killed men and horses getting across there until they laid the telegraph line. But it was impossible to send mail in 10 days over 1,800 miles. Now you do it like click, total documents, total legal documents. You don't even have to have your driver's license, your insurance card anymore. It can be on your phone. In the state of Texas, that's good enough. That's impossible stuff. We're living in impossible things. Why aren't we as Christians dreaming about impossible things that the Lord wants to do? What's your impossible communications or telephone thing? What do you want that's impossible? What level of happiness? What level of joy? What, and, and it could be finances. It could be weight. It could be ministry. It could be a different. It could be your home. It could be different things. It can't be dependent upon somebody else. Well, I want Barbara to get this right, so I'm happier. Can't be that. So sorry, Herman. Not that you could be any happier. But it can't be dependent upon somebody else because that's witchcraft. I'm going to pray that they change so I don't have to change so I can feel better about myself. So I want you to hear that. It's got to be for you. What's yours? If you've never lost 50 pounds, 50 pounds is impossible to lose. Your brain is telling you there's no way you can do that. If you've never made over $12 or $13 an hour, your brain, you won't even almost go for a job that's over $12 an hour because your brain is saying you can never get that. You've never had it. You can never get it. So our experience is telling us what we can and cannot do. So... Think about this. Think about the food when you're walking to a grocery store. In like 1916, 1970, a Piggly Wiggly in either Tennessee or Kentucky became the first modern-day grocery store. Because used to, you'd have to go to a vendor, the butcher. You'd give him your list, and he would go cut you the piece of meat that he wanted to give you. You'd go, you'd go, my dad got paid. They, they would have these big, giant egg crates this big, and he got paid to take eggs out and wash the, the manure off of them, put them in six and 12 packs, and then that would be part of the grocery. But all the groceries were separated, and they begin to put them all under one, but they're, they, you still have the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, you had the vegetable guy, and all of a sudden, this Piggly Wiggly, which we all, now, we all expect that, right? But if you go overseas to some of these small towns, you still go into what, the butcher, right? It's kind of weird. You go into the butcher here, you go to the baker over here, and maybe the butcher and baker have a cafe together. They're putting their products together. And then you have like a little drugstore that you go get the non-perishables. We have it. It's very American. In fact, it's so American that in the 50s when Queen, Queen Elizabeth was here, she spent like 15 or 20 minutes. I think it was with Eisenhower. I might have my history wrong. She spent 15 or 20 minutes in a grocery store, amazed that people had a shopping cart, amazed you took your kid, amazed you could look through meat packs and go, I don't want that, that's too much fat, or this is exactly what I want. So those are all impossible things, and we're living all of that out. You can't, you can't go throughout your day without seeing something impossible, that at one time was impossible. 
So what stops us from dreaming impossible for us? Or what stops you from that? It's definitely, I'm going to give you the answer, so don't worry. It's a lack of faith. It's a lack of confidence that God will partner with me and that God will grow me up and bring me into a a space where I can be the person I hope I am and I dream I am. Now, I don't want to get you wrong. I I don't want you to get me wrong. We have these impossible dreams here, right? But we have stewardship right here. We still have our job, live on a budget, eat healthy, stay away from stuff that's bad for us, stay away from stuff that will lead us astray. There's this part right here. There's this process that we're in, right? But most of us Christians, we stay in this process. We never go, okay, my marriage is good. My finances are good. My, I'm, I'm doing pretty good in life. What's my impossible dream that I want to have? And so we want both of those. We want, we want both of those. We want the two engines. We don't want to just go, I'm a good Christian. I don't get drunk. I don't do this. I don't do that. And I do these things. I go to church. I tithe. We, we want a fuller thing. We want the bigger thing. Now, much or if not all, I don't want to say all, but much deep and power, powerful breakthrough comes through a moment, right? We see that with the, with the one with the issue of blood, searching for 13 years. Boom. It's all over. We see that with the boy, the demoniac that's been in change and nobody can, no, he has no clothes on and he shows up and boom, his whole life has changed. The next day he's in totally right mind. I'm assuming he has clothes on because he asked Jesus to go back to Jesus' town with them. So there's an assumption that he has clothes on. Think about that. So we're wanting some of those. How many of you want to be a part of those that you want those in your life and you want to see those and help bring that kingdom to earth, that heaven to earth into other people's lives? Yeah. You should all be go woo. We want that. So, but we have to start believing that. We have to start moving towards that. Now, Debbie has a story of God just sharing something with her that she's going to pray for somebody at the grocery store, and she was able to pray for them, a special needs kid, and she had worked that that for years. She had that. Herman has stories. We should be saying, God, I want my own stories. I want my own stories. I shared about a year and a half ago about smelling the presence of God and. What it did to my mom, what it did to me, it like shifted me. It took God through almost three days to get through to me, but it did something in me that my sight, my sight, maybe my smell shifted. Maybe the way I sensed the Holy Spirit shifted. You know, one time I was on a mission trip with Jim Sim and a couple other people. It was a teenage and I was the pastor of the church. I don't know why I was there with Jim and a couple other leaders. And I, I was like, not do, had, I didn't have any responsibilities. One night late, I was like putting my pictures on my, uh, my laptop. And he came in and Jim was like, we're praying for this girl trying to deliver her. And I think, I think God told me that you, that you would know what to do. I'm like, well, I don't, but okay. Could you not? I walk in, I'm thinking, I don't know what to do, but it doesn't matter, does it? I, don't, I never need to know what to do. I'm going to tell you, you never need to know what you're supposed to do. You always speak act and move we don't wait we don't have to wait somebody says hey if they're if they're sharing their life with you about the pain or misery or depression or take that as in take that as opportunities they're wanting me to pray for them let them do whatever let them reject you but so i walk into that girl into that room her name was christine or christina and she looked at me with the eyes of a devil i started laughing and i just point i point it right at her and say i know who you are i knew the demon it was the strangest thing ever. And boom, it was just over just like that. Now, we did walk her through some forgiveness uh, the next three or four times when she got home and stuff like that. And she was 
at one point unwilling to forgive because she had a super long list of people she hated. And she wasn't very old. She was maybe 18 or 19, but a lot of judgment. But what I'm saying is, is that we don't have to know anything more than what we know right now to start dreaming. You don't have to know anything more. Um, I've repeated this when we were praying for Debbie. I repeated this. I said this last week. But think about that. Think of how you use your imagination. Have you ever used your imagination of what you would do if you you won the lotto? You're driving along. It's $111 million. Woo! I'd give some to Les because, wow, he's awesome. I know that's your first thought. You know, but you're dry. Don't you use your imagination for that, right? And then when you get somebody calls you and you're like, why are they calling me at 2 o'clock in the morning? Oh, my gosh. And you use your imagination to determine that it's something bad, right? And your mind goes on and on and on. You imagine bad until they tell you, oh, sorry, it was a pocket dial. But then we struggle with using our imagination to cast out demons to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to see the supernatural. So we we use our imagination for the worst things. But for some reason, as Christians, we've taken the imagination and said, it's a bad thing. What about if you got up every morning and you just sat and you you maybe read a little bit, you you talk to God, you journal a little bit, and you say, God, what do you want me to imagine about today? You know, I think I shared with you all that uh, in January, beginning of February of this year, Felt like the Lord told me my mother-in-law wasn't going to make it to the end of the year, which was odd. Well, this is, this is, the, but it's very, for me, it's very helpful. I held on to it for a while. But then when we were, I had a, a dream about Dakota when we were on, when we were on our cruise the day before we got a, uh, the, the notice that he was not doing well, that he was in the hospital. I was completely, I was, I felt like completely pre- prepared for it. What's funny, and this is delighted, this is delight at Victoria, is then like the next night, I th- maybe it was that Thursday night, whenever I had him put to sleep, I had, a, I had a dream of a Yorkie poo. And so that means I might have to get a dog that I don't like that much. But George's like, yeah, I'm whispering in his ear. He's an early, he goes to sleep early. I just whispering, Yorkie poo, Yorkie poo, Yorkie poo. So the thing is, but I, I'm, I'm like, I'm learning. It's, this year has been the dream, learning about the dream thing. I've done the, you know, more and more prophetic, more and more listening to the Lord. But, but with the dream thing, I woke up Saturday morning about 3 o'clock. And on my, I had dreamed about this little black kid about 3 years old. He was just like going, happy Sunday, happy Sunday, happy Sunday. And he called me Uncle Les. And so, man, all, all Saturday I looked for a little kid that like might be somebody, like there's something there. But we should use all of that stuff. Now, if I, if I had had a dream of somebody killing me or something demonic, I would have gone, whoa, that was so real. But I have something sweet and simple, and oh, that can't be from God. you got to be careful. It might not be from God. But we often put so much emphasis on God's ability, I mean, the devil's ability to talk to us and not God's ability to talk to us. So the food, thing's, the food thing is amazing. We are at the... Like the epitome of our food source. And we're at the tip top of how much food you get. It's like over 35% of the people do click and don't even go into the grocery store. Have you been to the grocery store like about 10, 11 o'clock on the way home to... For me, it's on the way home from a meeting. I go by HEB. And there's like more people with with HEB cart pulling food for HEB than there are people in the aisles. It's amazing. That's a shocker. That's, a, that's an impossible scenario that you can actually just say, I click online, I got Kurt, we got some curtains, click online on Bed Bath & Beyond, and you start putting, these are the six or eight curtains we like, we're going to get this gray here, oh, we need this, we need this size, 
I get the size. It's the wrong size. I take it back to Beth Bed. Didn't like it. Take it back to Bed Bath & Beyond. They give me all my money back. I go back on. I order two more. And they're perfect. And it's delivered to my door. I never have to leave. That's, Im- that's impossible. So what does the Lord want to use you for coming into this next year? What do you want to dream about? More Netflix? Just, just safety? Just being enough? Just being the same weight? Being the same size? Having the same amount of money? Do you want to be praying for something bigger, bigger, more, more, more? I think it lacks, I think it lacks humility to not ask for more. I want you to hear that. I think it lacks humility to not ask for more. It's like, I just have enough. I don't want to have any to give anybody else. I just want what I have. I don't want to be able to bless my, I don't want to be able to bless anybody else in my neighborhood. I don't need any more time. I don't need any more money. I don't need any more faith. I don't need, need any more anything. I just going to live my life. And this is what happens. Like we're going to end this day, day. Victoria told me this morning, we're 10 days from Christmas. So we're how many days from the new year? 16 days, right? Yes. We're coming into a new year. A new, a new decade. But think about that. Are you going to live a new year or are you going to just live this year over next year? Most of us have lived the last 10 years over and over and over and over again. Because we're not engaging with the Holy Spirit. of what, what's, what's up, Holy Spirit? I thought my life was supposed to rock. I thought my marriage, even, even though my marriage can get hard, I thought, I thought you were more than an overcomer in and through me. What's with cancer? What's with this? Why can't I? Why am I not losing weight? And ask him. Instead, this is what we normally do. We, we answer why we're failing. We go, oh, I know why I can't lose weight because, and we, we say these 10 things. So then wait, I now know why I can't lose weight, so I'm not going to ask God about it. We start with God. We let him talk to us. These are five reasons. These are, I'm doing five. These are five reasons I'm not healed. This is why God won't heal me. We line them up all the time. We use our imagination to line them up. This is why I'm stuck at my job. This is why I'm stuck here. This is why I don't have that. And instead of being super humble and simple and plain old stupid and saying, God, why are my, are my finances, why is my body not aligning with you? Why is my relationships not aligning with you? And the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. And he wants to teach us. He really, really does. But what we like to do, we like to, again, we like to line up. Here's the reasons why. Or somebody says, oh, you should read this book. You don't eat gluten, you don't eat this, you don't eat that. And I'm like, no offense to any of that, because I don't eat a lot of gluten. I keep my sugar down and blah, blah, blah. But that, that is maybe a way. But if the Lord hasn't told you to go that way and it's not helping you, there's tons of people eating really strict diets and they still don't feel any better, but they're not enjoying their life. We've got to go to the Father. That's where the supernatural starts. Believing that he will talk to us, that he will find us, that he will help us. So it says here, <clears throat> Romans fifteen nineteen. I do have another scripture or two, I forgot. Romans fifteen nineteen. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, so from Jerusalem all the way to Ilricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Jesus Christ. I kind of alluded this to this last week. Is the gospel of Jesus Christ fully proclaimed without signs and wonders? If you're living with demons in your house, demons in the middle of your relationship, 
deep trauma year after year, decade after decade, are you fully proclaiming and fully believing the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I'm not saying everybody's going to be like problem free at all. I have never been problem free. All right. Ever, 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 ever. There's always a problem. When one relationship starts getting better, this one here somehow gets rotten. I have a really rotten relationship right now with someone that I've known for a long time. I don't think it's on me to do anything, so I'm being at peace about it. But it gets weird. It plays with your mind. Well, maybe God doesn't have anything there. Maybe God's not doing any work. And, but you keep just declaring God's doing something. He's always doing something. God is always doing something for you, for you to be who you were created to be in this world. And uh, so you've got to ask yourself, do you think there is more than just this Christian life we're living? Like next year we'll live the same life. We won't pursue miracles. We won't pursue more. We won't live on a budget. We won't live on a, an eating plan. We won't invite anybody into our home. We won't take up any offers to go be with people. We'll keep having a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of excuses for why we are the way we are, but we'll never talk to God about it. Then every once in a while, we'll go to a revival service. We'll be like, woo, and then we'll like crash and burn. Or someone will give us a book, be like seven ways to be an overcomer. Yay, but that's the law. That's the law. When we, when we put anything... It's Jesus first. It's his work first, what he's doing in us. All right, I'm going to skip a bunch of this here. It's good stuff, huh? So what is our part? Our part is always to believe, to have confidence that God's doing something. Always, always, always. Until the moment, (coughs) excuse me, until the moment Debbie gets surgery done, it's belief for her complete healing. Up until they take her on the gurney, complete belief for Cresha's healing. That that cyst is going to be removed supernaturally. It's going to somehow, I was going to say ooze out her belly button, but that would just be super weird. So, But it's going to be gone in Jesus' name. So why not use our imagination when we're there with people, when we're feeling things, when we're, instead of feeling bad. You know, we choose a lot of times, we choose to feel bad for people rather than pray for people. Oh, poor Debbie's having surgery. I heard it's a, it's a tough surgery. Oh, no. Well, God is good. But we don't, out, we don't like lay hands on her and pray for people. I really want to encourage us to be that, looking for that. So I, I've, come to, I've come to the belief that we choose our own experiences over the Scripture. So it says, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. But then a relationship starts hurting me. And I'm like, oh, that's not true. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. All my children are going to serve the Lord. Oh, but my children aren't serving the Lord. So which one will I believe? Will I believe my own thoughts, my own experience, or will I believe the word of the Lord? We always have to choose the word of the Lord, but we don't. And we have all these excuses why we don't choose the word of the Lord. So that's why we're allowed to complain about politics all the time. That's why we talk a lot about, we complain about politics without ever saying, let's stop and pray for Obama right now. Let's stop and pray for Hillary right now. Let's stop and pray for Trump right now. If you hate Trump, you'll be in trouble if you say, let's pray for Trump. You know, if, if somebody hates Trump and they're talking bad about him and you're like, well, let's pray for him right now. And they're a believer. They're like, they, will, they, they don't want you to bless him in Jesus' name. Same for Obama, same for Hillary. There's something impossible God wants us to be a part of. And it's not the political discussion, by the way. So how do we believe something we don't yet believe? How do we, I'm, this, one, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is going to be my five-minute conclusion. How do we believe something we don't yet believe? All right? So we have somebody that needs to be healed. We have somebody that's 
just seems crazy in how they just, in their relationships and their responses, or we have a constant source of poverty or drug use. But we don't talk to anybody about it. We don't pray for them. We don't lay hands on them. Why? Because we believe that we can't help them. But he can somehow. But he's saying, I'm waiting on you, not you're waiting on me. So this is how you believe. This is how you create a new belief and believe something you don't believe yet. You commit. We just talked about this with Debbie. You commit. I'm going to believe no weapon formed against me shall prosper ever. It doesn't matter how hard my life looks like. That's not prospering. In fact, we might take it a bit further and say, not only will no weapon formed against me shall prosper, that weapon formed against me is shaping me into the man of God I'm supposed to be. You know, I got a, a prophetic word from somebody at Bethel, and they said, God is super pleased with how you've stewarded your pain in your life. And I was like, that's silly. But then I started thinking about it, about abundant life, about some church stuff. And, and I've had people tell me some things like that before, but it really, like, it really impacted me. I've stewarded it well. I'm being blessed because of some of those commitments I made to do God's stuff, not follow man. So commit. It's always commit to Scripture, too. It's not committing to your experience. It's not committing to a book somebody wrote. It's not committing to a message. So you're going to commit. You're going to imagine the new belief. I literally would imagine in my head the, 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 the enemy with like a jackhammer, like trying to kill me, like, like a, with, a, with a knife thing on it. It's like, <laughs> and that, that was like, I was used to that kind of imagination, I was used to a negative imagination, imagining what Satan could do to me, how he could hurt me. And then I was prayed and expanded upon that scripture and got taught by the Holy Spirit. You know what I saw? I saw that the devil was in the hand of God. The devil thinks he's like working on me, but God is using the devil to work on stuff I've asked for years to get rid of. Isn't that brilliant? So no weapon formed against me shall prosper. I choose that, and then I begin to imagine really big things on that. And I have had to have a lot of junk knocked off of me, and it's been amazing. So you're going to commit, you're going to imagine, you're going to form a sentence and repeat that sentence. At Abundant Life, uh, when it all fell apart, I drove from um, I drove from Greenspoint area to Spring off of Airtex. I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 minutes max. And I would go up there. I'd never preached like at a regular church before but when 850 people leave you have 150 people left and you just start preaching and so the lord gave me a phrase to say that was all my own he goes less you're 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 as good as 80 percent of the guys out there i started laughing so i still use that i'm not i don't have to be the best preacher but i'm I'm in the top 20 percent you know and he gave me that and i've taken joy in that he's i have those phrases that he's given me that commits me back to scripture using my imagination and giving me a sentence that's mine personally about five or six years ago he gave me one um you're saved and it matters right now and i just like that's i just like and i could see myself just so i'm saved and i just i could realize it's like when they tell you to do yoga they're like, always like, fill your feet in the ground. become. But I can still like, I'm, I'm on the rock. I'm saved. Like, and it means something right now. It means I'm in joy. I'm in peace. I have more than enough. It's overflowing for me. Nothing, nobody can hurt me. It doesn't matter what anybody says about me. And then uh, the problem we have, this is, that, that, that was number three. I'm just going to do four and five real quick. And then I'm going to go back. We need to accept that new belief is true. So... The belief the enemy's doing something to me and it's painful and I'm out of, I have no control over it, that belief is replaced with no weapon formed against me shall prosper. 
You've got to begin replacing it. So whenever you hear, you've got to accept this new belief is true, even though it doesn't feel very true. Even though your life is going, nah, 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 that's not true, it's not. He, man, it's totally working against you. You're totally, if, you, if that keeps happening to you, you're going to go nuts. You're going to go off the deep end. But we have to choose to accept number four. Number five, we have to practice it. We have to practice the language of the supernatural. We have to practice the um, laying hands on each other when you walk in here. Ready to ask for prayer, ready for prayer. Not when church starts. How many of you would rather talk to somebody and chat for 10 minutes than say, hey, do you have anything for me to pray for and lay hands on them? Almost everybody would rather do that in church. Except for Herman. Right? I mean, Herman's like always ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Yes, you can call me. Yes, you can come to my house. Yes, you can do this. Like we, that's, that's, like a, that's like we should have a better model of that. I was like, yes, yes. I'll come in here. I'll, I'll be, I'm talking to this person, and I sense deep sadness or shame. And I go away, go, oh, man, they don't sound good at all. And we do that. You know how ugly and mean-spirited that is? To have the, to have the Holy Spirit go, they're struggling with shame. And you just go, whoa, that's a bummer. And so stop, start asking them, say, hey, I think I heard the Lord just say you, you're dealing with shame. Can I pray for you? Or is that true? And find a way. Practice, practice, practice. So this is what happens. When we, like this new information you're getting about doing the impossible. You know what your brain is doing right now? You're deleting and you're distorting the information. You're deleting everything that you don't like. Did you know that? We do that constantly when we hear scripture. We delete what we don't like. And then we distort it. Well, it doesn't mean me because I'm shy. Well, it doesn't mean me because I'm a sinner. And well, it doesn't mean me because I've had a bad experience with that. Well, it doesn't mean me because I don't have enough faith. We distort it. So what we do is we delete it and distort it. So a lot of the information coming in from the Holy Spirit through teachers, through books, we're, we're, we're deleting and distorting it. What we also do, we also love to generalize it. We love to make it a big picture. Oh, the church should be praying for healing. Oh, the church should be outreaching to people that need deliverance instead of, I will do that. And our brain is constantly, your your physical brain, your brain is lazy. It it, it doesn't want all this material. It doesn't want to do anything different. If if you've been in church for more than four or five years, your brain wants church to be exactly what you like it to be and nothing else. And deliverance is messy. And believing for Debbie's healing is messy. And, and, and believing that God can do something supernatural in my life is weird often. When everything else is looking like there's nothing else, there's no hope. All right, so this delete and distort and uh, we generalize the material, that is a lot of what happens to us. And so the Holy Spirit, that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. Like, you're listening, Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit saying? You're reading, what's the Holy Spirit saying? We ought to be being taught a lot more by the Holy Spirit than we are by man. We really should. And a lot more, a lot more, worshiping a lot more to our own tune instead of KSBJ or Bethel or Lakewood. We should, at our age, many of us be able to have a worship time of 5 or 10 or 15 minutes with zero music on at all, just shouting hallelujah in the car. But our, 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 our default brain goes to talk radio, to KSBJ, to the 1970s hits. To blah, blah, blah. And so we've really got to work on that for us if we want a different life. If you want to live the same life over in 2020 in the same decade for the next 10 years, go by all means do what you've already done. But if you want something different, you've got to get out of that categorizing, deleting, distorting and start hearing the Holy Spirit. All right? Let's go ahead and, 
and stand up. Just put your hand on somebody next to you. Thank you, Father. And just speak impossible dreams into their heart, into their mind. Just say, Father, just give my brother, give my sister impossible dreams. Wake them up at night. Wake them up. Scare them. Scare them, Father. God, shock them. Shock them, Father. God, wake them up crying, scared because of the brilliance, the beauty that you've shown them of what you want, Father God. Wake us up with what's possible in our marriages, with our finances, with our age that we're at, as a lot of us, uh, you know, at different ages, but that, that at our age and where we're at, that we would have amazing things, that we would be dreaming of what our marriages look like in this next season. We'd be dreaming of what marriage looks like if we're not married. We'd just be dreaming in different ways, Father God, not, not without you, but with you. So wake up, wake up our brothers and sisters just with, with impossible things in Jesus' name. And Father God, help us to live this next year as a new year and a new decade. Help us to be taught by you, taught by you, Holy Spirit, taught by you. Help us to know more and more what it means to have a friend like Jesus and what it, that it means something in our job, in our school, in our home, in our life. We just thank you for that. Everybody said, amen. amen. God bless you. If you have a word for somebody, go ahead and, and give it to them.